What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? I think we're settled up here now. <coughs> All right. Uh, my name's Chris. Um, I'm one of the teaching pastors here. I am flanked by Joshua Woodleaf. I got to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I am. I'm. How many of y'all just love Josh and the band? Just every weekend and week out. Great fella. Um, Josh is a good dude. So, love you, man. Um, my, uh, Mike as well. Mike is also in the band. He's the drummer. So, y'all, ever, y'all remember the Muppet show Animal? Animal! There you go. That's, that's Mike. Mike is also one of our teaching pastors. He's our Connect pastor. And even though this is not one of those questions uh, that we got text, uh, what did we get? What is Connect? That's a great question. What fact, is Connect? What is Connect? <laughs> He's in charge of it. Um, Connect is really uh, that <coughs> ministry, uh, trying to get people to move in that next spiritual uh, walk, that next whatever that next step is in their spiritual growth, um, whether it's moving from here into membership or here getting baptized or here uh, getting into a community group. It's just moving, taking that next step. And uh, if you feel like you're stuck, uh, Mike is a dude to talk to because he can really help you out. So anyway, all right, um, we're going to just get started. We got tons of questions last week. Here's the things that we noticed is um, we're going to try to keep our answers short because y'all have a lot of questions. Understand that I think at, at the core issue of this, we see it as David wrote in Psalms. He said that man looks on the outward appearance, which is my clothes, my shoes, my skin, the ink in my skin. And we judge each other based on these surface-level things that are all about appearance. They're all about how good you look, the, I guess, the perception that I give you about me. Um, but what it also says is that God looks on the inside. God looks on our heart. And see, that's what matters. You see, God looks on the inside to make sure that we're clean there. It doesn't matter. This, this skin, all this is going to burn up in the end. This is temporary, but what's on the inside is what lasts. So I think at, at the core of this question, we need to understand to be more like Jesus we need to start seeing people how Jesus sees people. Instead of focusing on all this stupid junk that people focus on, like, oh, he has a tattoo, or oh, he's wearing jeans on the platform, let's just get past all that junk, and let's get to the real core of it, you know? Um, and the last point I'll make, pretty funny. Same people who um, will say Leviticus says tattoos are wrong. Let's go up one verse to 27. It says, you shouldn't round off the side growth of your heads nor harm the edges of your beard. How many of you shaved this morning? Oh, come on. How many of you shaved? All right. I didn't. But um, it's because it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that was good. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's, it, it's funny to me that the same people who would tell me I'm wrong for my tattoos, they shave their face. So if we're going to claim all of Leviticus, let's claim it. And in, ver- in chapter 20, when it says if a man commits adultery, that he, we should stone him and the woman to death. Any takers? Nope, no takers. I didn't think so. So, you know, I just think it's, it's comical to me that people will take 28 so out of context and put 27. You shaved. By the way, you look good. Thank you. You do. All right, cool. <laughs> Any thoughts? But you, you actually, we got this question in first service, and you made a great point in first service that you, you left out this one. Is in, in Revelation 19:16 when Jesus, we're talking about, you know, the end of Revelation, he's coming back, God wins. 
Jesus comes back and it says on his robe and on his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That when, you know, Jesus comes back, he's going to be tatted up wearing white. Rocking out. All right. I mean, think about this. Jesus is coming back for the last fight. Now, guys, when somebody shows up for a fight wearing pure white, what do you know about that dude? He ain't planning on losing. He ain't even planning on getting dirty. And that's what happens with Jesus. Jesus comes back, and he comes back at the last fight, and he goes like this. And everybody dies. So that's Revelation. I think it's cool to understand that that word written, when you study it out in the Greek, it actually means the equivalent of tattoo. Sure. So Jesus has tats, man. That's that's stinking cool. Yeah. It is cool. It Any is takers cool. on Jesus after that one? Come on. Yes. All right. Moving on. All right. Moving on. All right. Next uh, round of three questions. How do you know when God, when and what God is telling you? That's a great question. How many of y'all want to talk about that one? If I question my salvation, am I truly saved? How about that one? All right. Cool. And uh, how can you... Re- how can you recover the faith? All right, cool. All right, let's do the first one. And the first one was, how do you know when and what God is telling you? Who wants to talk about that one? Mike? <laughs> my sharing section. How do you know when and what? Sometimes it's hard. Uh, it's easy when you open up the Bible. Uh, the Bible, God wrote all this stuff for us, so we'd have it um, to refer to. So, And the Bible tells us that the Word is alive. And uh, so when you read it, I mean, there's times when I read sections of the Bible and it feels like, uh, it must feel like when a woman has a baby and it kicks, like it feels like the spirit jumps inside me and, and it's emphasizing something that I'm reading. So that's one way of, of knowing that God's talking to you. Uh, if you're looking for some specific answers, I think sometimes it's, uh, uh, sometimes for me anyway, it's like I have a, a thought that's placed in my head that all of a sudden gets shoved to the front, and I, it feels kind of weird, but I know it's not something that I thought of. It just appeared there for me. Um, and uh, so that's why, how I know it came from God. Um, and then, uh, heck, it can sometimes just be that you're praying over a decision you got to make, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll just sense uh, being led in a certain direction. And a good way, if you're married, is, uh, is, is to talk to your spouse about that. You're both praying about the same thing. God's going to tell you both the same answer. So uh, he won't tell one one thing and one the other. Kind of like if, is it time to buy a motorcycle? <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, audibly hear God's voice there, right? And, yeah. and, and that voice sounded like Marie. Very <laughs> cool. All right. Great question. You, anything you want to chime in on that? I just think it's important to know that God is out for his own glory. And I think it's important to see that, that this whole thing has been orchestrated to bring as much glory to God as possible. And so if your choice is between, I don't know, building a shelter for kids in Africa or going to buy a sailboat, come on. You know, I mean, if God's laid something on your heart that brings him glory, I think a lot of times we pray for God's will like it's this mystical thing, you know, and we have to hover above the ground to find it. And, but it's really whatever pleases him. And I, I think that obviously we bounce that off Scripture all the time. It has to go through Scripture and through our friends and through our accountability partners. But really just ask yourself, what brings God the most glory in this situation? And then do that. I doubt he's going to be like, well, he tried to bring me glory. I'm going to get him for that. Yeah. You know? I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think so. Yeah. 
Sometimes I think we might overanalyze it and uh, end up doing nothing because we're so afraid of doing something wrong. Uh, we just sometimes just got to step out and do it. Sure. Great question. That was a really good question. All right, next three. What is your opinion on speaking in the Spirit? All right, uh, that's, how many of y'all want to talk about that one? Okay, cool. How can I evaluate whether or not a brother in Christ is producing fruit without truly judging? And y'all want to talk about that one? All right, cool. Um, why does it seem that God doesn't always answer my questions? How many want to talk about that one? It's the first one. Okay. Oh, All right. Uh, what is your opinion on speaking in the Spirit? Okay, number one, you don't really want my opinion. Mm. My opinion in, in a 75 cents is, will get you a Coke. Um, we want to talk about what God has to say about speaking in the Spirit. And um, I... I will tell you, here's the problem, is everybody has their opinions on this. Everybody has their opinions on this, and nobody goes back to what the Scripture says. In Acts chapter 2, the very first time speaking in the Spirit is talked about, some call it speaking in tongues. The Greek word is glossalia. Um, I want to tell you kind of what happened. The Holy Spirit descends. 120 people are in the upper room, they're praying, and God, the Holy Spirit, gives them a supernatural ability to t- start communicating with all of these other different people. In fact, it was a language. It was a known language. Some people will say, well, speaking in tongues or speaking in the Spirit is a prayer language. Nowhere in my Bible do I find that. It's not gibberish. It's, it's, it, it is speaking in a known dialect. Now, where do you get that, Chris? I'm glad you asked that question. All right. It says in Acts chapter 5. Uh, okay, I'm going to start at verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began, began, and began speaking in other languages is what the New Living Translation translates it. Uh, tongues, glossalia, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, this wasn't, again, gibberish. How do I know that? I'm going to keep on reading. Verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language. Everybody say those last three words. Their own languages being spoken by these believers. And then it lists all the different languages they were speaking. They were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here they are. (laughs) Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear all of these people speaking in our own languages around the world. Now here, why were they doing it? Because of the wonderful things God has done. You see, do I believe in speaking in tongues? I believe the Bible teaches that it's a supernatural ability to be able to communicate God's truth in a known language. That means if, if you're, again, you're gibberish or something, I don't, I don't believe that's of the Lord. The other places in Scripture, it says God is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and in 12 and 14, it talks about 
again, uh, if somebody's going to speak in a, in a tongue, there needs to be somebody there to interpret it. But, I, I, you know, again, I think it, the Bible clearly teaches this is a known language. Uh, anybody? You have anything to say about that? I think I've beat that dead horse. All right, cool. All right, um, next question. Is it okay to believe in evolution and God? Did God play a role in evolution? That's a great question. How many of y'all want to talk about that one? Okay. Who can I talk to before, after, during the service about beginning a relationship with Jesus? Any one of us. Any one of us. Or him. Who's on staff here? We're stand up. Greg's in the back. I, I want to make this really clear who you can talk to because that is the most important decision you can ever make. They're going to have a black tag around their neck that says their name. Yep. And come see one away. of us. Come see one of us, okay? Um, so evolution. Who, who want to talk about evolution and God? All right, cool. And then let's hit the third, uh, third question, uh, which is, why do Jewish people do not believe in Jesus? How many of you want to talk about that one? All right, uh, let's, they were both good. Let's hit both of them. Who wants to do the, <coughs> who wants to do the evolution in God? Well, hmm. I don't want to. <coughs> I don't mind talking, but you, go ahead, man. If you got it, do it. Uh, well, <coughs> I, I guess I'll just, I taught I taught evolution for a year in high school, which was my time in purgatory after I got out of the military. Um, I couldn't hack it, so I'm not, I'm not teaching science anymore, but I taught a little bit of that stuff. And what I found in some of the research I was doing was that, uh, number one, the guy who did the whole evolution thing uh, recanted that whole that thing on his uh, <coughs> deathbed. But um, it's kind of like become a, its own religion in a way where... We believe that it takes so many millions and billions of years for things to happen in nature. Um, but when we're starting to study things, especially with new technology, we're finding that it doesn't take as much time as we thought for things to happen. Take Mount St. Helen, for example, when it blew up, uh, up in the northwest. Uh, the things that are growing now, the plants that are growing, and the things that are happening out there in that area, that theories told us took millions and billions of years are already happening since that, uh, since that volcano blew up. So it's kind of blowing out of the water a lot of the theories that we had. And we just got to remember that evolution is a theory. It's, it's a hypothesis. Somebody said, I think this is the way it's happening. And we have yet to prove, you know, that that is true. So um, uh, you can, I think you kind of end up having to buy one or the other because the timeline in the Bible is more like what about six thousand years old is the is the Earth somewhere around in there, but the scientists say it's millions and billions. So I don't think they both can go together. I think parts of what's in evolution have probably happened in nature uh, by God's hand, but uh, uh, you know different things about finding footprints of uh, men and and dinosaurs and all that at the same layers in the in the strata when they when they investigate that stuff. So it's it's, uh, it's partly about we, we, we don't have pictures of that time. We're like into videos and all that stuff. We can't go back and, and, and uh, necessarily prove one way or the other, but it boils down to do you believe that this is true or not? I believe what Genesis 1-1, it says God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that it's totally true. 
I know some, and I'm not this way. I believe that God did it in six days because that's what the Bible said. There are some people, though, um, that believe that those days were, you know, were different days than our days. It could have been a thousand years, you know, and and God took six thousand years to create it. Again, He could have. He's God. He can do whatever He wants to. He could have done it in one day. He's powerful. But there are some people I know who kind of take the, 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 the old earth adage and they see those days more in, as years or periods. Again, I think you can do that. I, I truly believe personally that if God says day, it was a day. Um, so, um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 there's some godly people I know who believe otherwise. So, who believe it, it took a little bit longer. So, um, you know, let me say this. This is what I'm going to say. Uh, when Adam and Eve, when they were created, um, were they adults or children? Adults. Okay, cool. So let's just say maybe they were around, they looked like they were 20 years old. Can we say that? Okay, so the, they had an attribute, uh, attributes that were 20 years old, 20, 21 years old. Um, but how old were they really the first day after they were created? One day old, right? So they looked older than they were what they were, correct? They look 20, but they're really only a day old. If God can do that with people, do you think he can do that with earth? I agree. So he can create an earth that's really only one day old, but it looks like it's billion. Right? I, I, you know, that that may have been the exact same thing that God did. I don't know. So, and I, I think this is one of those things where we can get hung up on something and not... And it prevents us from going further in our relationship with God because we're arguing over something that really doesn't make, doesn't matter. You know, whether or not the earth is a million, billion years old or 6,000, in the, in the end of the day, Jesus came to earth and died for all of our sins so we could have a relationship with God, one that where we spend time with him and he spends time with us every day, and we grow out of that relationship. So... If I get stuck on, on some of these issues, you know, that we do, whether it's tattoos or dinosaurs or something else, um, they're good questions and, and it may be worthy of some discussions, but let's not get bogged down in the discussion so we take the focus off the glory of God. Yeah, that's right. Next question is, uh, how come Jews don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Um, great, great question. That's probably one of, the, one of the only things that separates Christians from Jews. Uh, a Jewish person, uh, they have uh, the Old Testament. They don't call it the Old Testament. They call it the Hebrew Scriptures. Um, but uh, they are still looking for their Messiah. And here's the reason why. is um, Jesus is going to come twice. He came the first time, and he came as a little baby. Um, he was poor. He lived in a poor family. Um, he came uh, and very understated and the Jews were like, that's not the person we were looking for. We were looking for a king riding on a horse that's going to come and conquer our enemies. And when Jesus came the first time, um, he didn't do that. Jesus is going to come again. And guess what? He's going to do that. And uh, the whole point, um, I'll get on, touch this in a quick, the whole point of the end of the Bible, of tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, the whole point of that whole thing is for the Jews to realize that Jesus, yes, Jesus really is our Messiah. Um, because uh, the way I read my Bible and interpret, we're not going to be here. Um, so um, 
we're gonna, the Jews are going to realize, hey, Jesus really is the Messiah, and we're going to follow him. So um, that's the, probably one of the biggest differences between us and the Jews. Um, so they don't believe the, the last 27 books of the New Testament is, is God's word because they're still looking for the Messiah. So great, great question. Anything y'all want to add on that? Can we do some more? I love this. This is so much fun. All right, uh, next round of questions. How does prayer and fasting relate? And how it's fasting. <laughs> See, I've got stuff going through my head right now that I really want to say, but I can't. All right, we'll just leave it. There. It would stink. Oh, all right. Let's start them off. I'm going to read them, and you clap if you want us to do them. Okay. First one is. How does prayer and fasting relate, and how should it be done? Who wants to talk about that? All right. Thanks for texting that in. How do you know that there is a God if you can't see him? Who wants to talk about that one? Okay. And the last one is, what if things have happened in my life and has, and has, and has it, let me talk with God. Help me. What was that? I don't know. You got me mixed up. Um, Can we have a do-over? Um, it, it'll come in just a sec. All right, I'll, I'll read that last one. Oh. <laughs> How about those cubs? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> what if things have happened in my life and has, and it is pulling me apart from God? All right. Who wants to talk about that one? Okay. Mike? <laughs> <laughs> so wise. Um, all right, what, thing, what if things have happened in my life and, it, and it's pulling me apart from God? Um, hey, I'll take this one. Cool. I got it. Um, it it's kind of like we've been talking in worship the past couple weeks about all things working together for our good. Um, I think our version of good here on earth is so much different than God's view of goodness. Because, see, God sees the entire scope of our life. He sees beginning. He sees end. At the beginning of our life, he saw the end of our life. He sees tomorrow. He sees next week. He sees the end because he's already there. And so when we understand about all things working together for good for those who love God is that even the hard times, even the things that you think are pulling you away, that's God. Because God, nothing can happen without God allowing it, Um, essentially. And that's a big word. It's called sovereignty. Um, but we just trust that God rules and he controls everything. And so when we believe that from a biblical perspective, then we have to even embrace those things that we say pull us away, but they're truly him. And, you know, those things could be for any purpose. I had a guy ask me um, after the first service, basically this exact question is that, you know, I had this and this happening in my life and I just don't see that it's God. Um, and I think for us to say that we trust God, we have to in- embrace the bad times as well. Mm. That's good. Thank you, Josh. Let's do. Uh, let's do three more. <coughs> yeah. Sorry. Anyone watch a good movie lately? No. no I'm being serious. Star Trek. Great. How movie. many of y'all watch Star yeah. Trek? The new Star Trek. Yes. Awesome. All right, come. You've probably seen this headset. What do you think happens when we die? All right. How many of you want to talk about that one? All right. What? Uh, okay. We've already talked about that one. And uh, we'll do, we'll give one more chance and 
we think happens when we die and is there a wrong way to tithe 10% of the gross or 10% of the take home? <laughs> All right. How many of y'all want to talk about that one? Cool. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about the tithing. You know, one of the things I've realized that this was kind of very surprising is a lot of the questions we've gotten up to this point has been tithing questions. Uh, it was kind of amazing. Um, is there a wrong way to do it? I don't think so. I really don't. You know, I, I thank you so much for the question, and it's a valid question. God says very clearly that He loves a cheerful giver. And if you're cheerfully given 10% of your gross or 10% of your net, you know, I, I know this. God doesn't need your money, all right? Just like one church, we don't need your money. Um, it's, a, it's an act of obedience. It's an act of saying, okay, am I going to really... Uh, wherever your treasure is, God says, there your heart will be also. So the question is, how much do you love God? And you go, oh, that's guilt. No, it's not. It's really not. I'm not trying to be guilt. If you think, you know what, I, I'm just going to be this amount, that's fine. That's fine with that. But And, and, and another one and God put is, isn't, isn't tithing just a, an Old Testament principle? Well, I think a lot of the things that we see in the New Testament is based upon Old Testament principles because it, it, it builds on one another. Um, but, you know, I think God says he loves a cheerful giver. So the question is, again, how much do you love God? If, if, you, if, you, if you wrestle with that one, then the rest of the other stuff, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take care of itself. So, yeah. What was that other question that was, that was just the one right before that one? Oh, what happens uh, what, when God casts out the devil, what happens to the people in hell? That's a great one. We'll end on this one. Well, when God casts out the devil, what happens to the people in hell? You may want to take this one. <laughs> I don't have any verse references. I know the answer, but... No, go ahead and hit it then. They stay there. There you go. And, and I would say this. It, it says in the end of Revelation that he's going to, to throw the devil and his fallen angels into hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, um, you know, the thing is, and this is, a great, this is a great question to end on, because there's really only two choices. You can either choose God, and if you choose a relationship with God, then you get all of the benefits of being where God is. That is eternity in heaven. It's life. Um, there, but there is, if you don't like that option, there's not three other options or 17 other options. You're either going to be with God. If you say, though, you know what, I don't want anything to do with God. I'd prefer God if you'd leave me alone. And I would just, I want to do my own thing. Okay. If that is your option, then there's only one other option. And that is to be where devil, the angels, fallen angels, and that option is in hell. Do you have a verse? Um, yeah, I do. It's uh, Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. Um, for the sake of time, I won't read it all, but essentially it talks about um, the two judgments, the judgments for those who know Jesus, the judgments for those who don't know Jesus. Um, hell is actually emptied at one point, and people walk before Jesus. They're judged for their deeds, but then they're put back. So, yeah. So if you don't choose 
If you, if you choose, you know what, I am not going to have a relationship with God, then the, the only other option you have is hell. And I, I believe God clearly teaches that he doesn't, it, it's, it's God's desire that no one should perish without him. But he allows us to make that choice. He allows us to make that choice. I mean, think about this. If you, if you had to force your spouse to love you, would it really be love? No, it wouldn't. What are y'all laughing at? There's, there's one more question we have to answer. You oh. go ahead. This is important. You go. All right. Uh, if, if, uh, if our spouse, if we had to force our spouse to love us, it really wouldn't be love. And that's how God is. God's not going to force anyone to love him. Um, so if you choose to be with him, great. You choose not to be with him, it's not so good for you. All right, what's that other question? Um, the other question is yes. We are going to answer the questions with less claps. Um, we, we will answer them, but it, it may not be in this format. Obviously, we only have, what, one or two weeks left of this? <laughs> two two, weeks. two at the most, okay. Um, so we, we can't get to all of them. We've talked about starting a staff blog where we possibly each of us take one of these questions um, and just type an answer to it. Um, I know you may not get it in this format, but hopefully that will be suitable for you guys. If you have any ideas of how we can answer those questions, our emails are all on the back of our bulletin. Um, just shoot uh, Chris or I an email. We're in the office usually working on the website during the week. So just let us know how we can do that for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for being here, for doing this. This is fun. Are you all enjoying yourself? <clears throat> I'm glad. Um, we have two more weeks of this. Now, here's the cool thing. You can uh, text your questions all during the week about this, um, and uh, and we will get to you guys. I, we promise, uh, if not in this format, in another one. Um, and uh, I think you. So this next two weeks are going to be a great times for you to be able to invite your friends. Uh, maybe they have some questions, they got some concerns, and God willing, um, if enough people clap, uh, we will address those concerns. So let's pray, <clears throat> dear Father. You are amazing and you are lovely. And Lord, you never, ever shy away from those tough questions. Um, your word in so many areas is just crystal clear. In so many areas, you know, other areas about science or evolution, we just, you know, I, sometimes I just don't have the right answer. And I don't even have an answer, God. But I know that you have all of the answers. And I'm still learning that I don't have it all, I don't have it all figured out up here, God, but I'm still working through my relationship with you. And Lord, I pray for those out there right now who um, maybe they've been out of church for a long, long time. And they, uh, just, they've gotten hurt, they've been burned in a church, and they just struggle about coming back, and they're here today for the first time. And Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that they're here they are important to you, Jesus Christ. Your word says clearly in Luke 19.10 that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Lord, all of us have been lost. All of us have been lost at one time or another. And Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that we can always come back home. We love you so much, Jesus Christ. And it's in your name that we pray.
So what we're going to do is we're going to start right off with uh, three questions. We're going to throw them up on the board. Whichever ones you really want us to answer, you need to clap. How about this one? Well, I see and know my loved ones in heaven. Who wants to hear that one? Okay, cool. Uh, how do you trust someone who's hurt you over and over again? Who wants to hear that one? All right. Why do some why do some people get pregnant and others cannot? Proper. Hey, I, I I have trouble typing on those text messages as well. So anybody want to look at that one? Okay, cool. All right. All right I think it was the middle one. So, uh, oh, how about this one? How do you trust someone who's hurt you over and over again? That was the middle. That was the middle one. Try and keep up. All right. It's like, it's like 50 first dates. Uh, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Cool. All right. Uh, how do you hurt somebody? No. <laughs> it's reading. It's left to right, top to bottom. Yeah. How do you how trust, do you trust someone? someone who's hurt you over again? Who wants to take that one? Mike. <laughs> Being an expert at hurting someone over and over again, I'll take that one. Uh, really, this one is... Um, I saw pregnant there and it threw me off. What was the other question? All right. Trusting somebody and uh, they're hurting you over and over again. I don't, uh, trust is something you build over time, I think. Uh, so I don't think you have to trust them right away. But uh, we are called to forgive people that, that have hurt us. Um, it's actually a command. Um, it talks about it in, uh, in Mark and Matthew. Kind of all throughout the Bible, it's what really Jesus came to do, is came to make the way he forgave he, he died on the cross to forgive our sins so we could be right with God. And, uh, and the Bible tells us that we're, we're commanded really to forgive others because uh, the Bible says if we don't forgive others, then God's not for, going to forgive us as well. So uh, when we forgive them and uh, try to make that relationship right by not holding against them what they've done to us in the past, by canceling that debt, which is what forgiveness is all about, not going to bring it up again, not going to dwell on it, uh, then we're able to start that relationship over again. And you build that trust over time. I wouldn't, uh, if somebody's burned you over and over again, I, I would say the amount of trust would be very small. It's like a bank account. You, you put a little money in and it grows over time. It's the same thing with trust. You, uh, you, build, you work on that relationship, it grows, that trust will grow over time, and hopefully they'll stop hurting you and you'll, that trust will continue to grow. Because every time they hurt you, it's like taken out of the bank account and... Uh, Eventually, you're overdrawn. So uh, there it is. Okay. Anything you want to? That was good. That was real. That was real good. Yeah. All right. That's the reason we have Mike up here. Now. All right. See y'all. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Next round through question uh, is the. We'll do this one. Drum uh, roll. Yes. How do you love a family member as Jesus would have loved them but not condone their behavior or choices? I mean, I want to talk about that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. All right. Cool. Let's look at a second one. <coughs> it looks just like the first one. Ah, technology. All right. Uh, second one is why do Christians show, why do some Christians show so much hate and anger to those not sharing the same beliefs? How many of you want to talk about that one? Okay. And then behind door number three. Technology. Come on. And go. Yes. If God dislikes the devil and has the power to cast him out, why doesn't he? How many of y'all want to talk about that one? 
Oh, yes. I believe it's that one. Okay. The question was, <laughs> if, if God has more power than the devil, why doesn't he just cast them out? And I think that's what it was. Um, we'll, we'll come back around in a sec. Um, if God dislikes the devil and has the power to cast them out, why doesn't he? God has definitely the power to cast out the devil. He is going to do that. It's called Revelation. All right? Good book. You ought to read it. I tell you, there's a lot of stuff. When you read the book of Revelation, you're going to scratch your head going, I don't understand. And I don't understand either. I, I think I understand some of it. And then sometimes I'm like, no, I don't understand it. It's kind of a one of those books. But once it happens, I will understand it. Uh, amazingly enough. Um, but God says uh, in Revelation, I believe it's in Revelation 19, that he is going to cast them uh, into, into the lake of fire uh, for a thousand years. And uh, he's going to be done for. He's going to be done with. And uh, so God definitely has that power to do that to Satan, and he will. Um, the, the reason why he, he doesn't do it right now, again, is because uh, God created, when God created all the angels, and some of the angels rebelled against God. The angels had um, a, uh, a, God gave them a will. And um, just like he gave you and I a will. And one third of the angels, the Bible teaches us, said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing. And they became fallen angels. We call them demons. The head of that whole one third group, uh, his name was Lucifer. Um, and uh, in the, anyway, heard a sniff. It's like, stop. Anyway, and uh, his name is Lucifer, and um, he is a fallen angel. Now, the Bible d- describes him as very beautiful. He's not to do with the, you know, pitchfork and the horns and all that stuff. Uh, that's a caricature uh, of Halloween. Uh, so God is going to have his day. Uh, he is going to whoop up all over Satan. And uh, that's the whole book of the Revelation. I can summarize the book of Revelation in two words. God wins. So there you go. So the answer to that question is he will. It's just not happening yet. And uh, and that's kind of the tension that we're in right now is, you know, why doesn't God do it? It's because God said he would, and it's not time yet. So just like the reason why, and you made a good point with this earlier, the reason why God waits even today is why? Waiting on uh, us. He's waiting on us because some people, he, he, he's wanting to give as much time as he can so that people will come to know and understand Jesus' love. So, all right, next question. <clears throat> you can, yes. How many of y'all want to hear about that one? We have a winner. <laughs> what? He said Josh can answer that one. Yeah, I'll, I think I'm qualified um, for this one. Um, do you want me to go ahead and do it? or uh, How many of you want us to answer that one? Or that one, even? The, the next one was... Uh, I don't even know what I'm doing. Ken, uh, you're doing a great job of it. Though, Thanks. Right? Uh, can God prevent evil and suffering? And if so, why doesn't he? How many of y'all wants to answer that one? Okay. All right. Do you think you can be a Christian and communicate with ghosts and spirits? How many of y'all want us to answer that one? All right. I think the tattoos have it. They're absolutely wrong, and that's why I don't have any. Okay. I'm joking. Sorry. People watching the podcast didn't get that joke at all because they've never seen me. Um, well, I think this, this question, it kind of has...
quite a few parts to it, and I'll try and be brief um, as I give an explanation. Everyone who says tattoos are wrong, they always go to the book of Leviticus. Um, it's in chapter 19. Um, if you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. But chapter 19, verse 28 says, You shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Just from the original glance, you would look at that and you would go, okay, the Bible said don't cut yourself, don't tattoo yourself, done, right? Okay. Well, you know, as we study into this and we understand a little bit about the Jews and as, as God's people, God's setting them apart, the Jews always had a habit of taking on pagan practices of worship um, all the time. And we understand, according you know, to Egyptian and different pagan cultures, that a lot of their worship was the worship of the dead. They would cut themselves for the dead in remembrance of the dead. They would cut themselves and they would tattoo themselves for these gods that they thought were over dead people. And so it was, an actual, it was actually an act of worship, worshiping other gods. So God obviously stepped in and said, Duh, don't do that. You know? And so as, as we understand the cultural context of this, it gets a little different for us. And we understand that I think at, at the core issue of this, we see it as David wrote in Psalms. He said that man looks on the outward appearance, which is my clothes, my shoes, my skin, the ink in my skin. And we judge each other based on these surface-level things that are all about appearance. They're all about how good you look, The, I guess the perception that I give you about me. Um, but what it also says is that God looks on the inside. God looks on our heart. And see, that's what matters. And see, God looks on the inside to make sure that we're clean there. It doesn't matter. This, this skin, all this is going to burn up in the end. This is temporary, but what's on the inside is what lasts. So I think at, at the core of this question, we need to understand to be more like Jesus we need to start seeing people how Jesus sees people. Instead of focusing all this stupid junk that people focus on, like, oh, he has a tattoo, or oh, he's wearing jeans on the platform, let's just get past all that junk, and let's get to the real core of it, you know? Um, and the last point I'll make, pretty funny, same people who um, will say Leviticus says tattoos are wrong. Let's go up one verse to 27. It says, you shouldn't round off the side growth of your heads nor harm the edges of your beard. How many of you shaved this morning? Oh, come on. How many of you shaved? All right. I didn't. But um, it's because it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that was good. <laughs> but, um, but no, so it, it's funny to me that the same people who will tell me I'm wrong for my tattoos, they shave their face. So if we're going to claim all of Leviticus, let's claim it. And in, ver in chapter 20, when it says, if a man commits adultery that he, we should stone him and the woman to death. Any takers? Nope, no takers. I didn't think so. So, you know, I just think it's, it's comical to me that people will take 28 so out of context and put 27. You shaved. By the way, you look good. Thank you. You do. All right, cool. <laughs> Any thoughts? Well, you, you actually, we got this question in first service, and you made a great point in first service that you, you left out this one. Is in, in Revelation 19:16 when Jesus we're talking about you know the end of Revelation he's coming back God wins Jesus comes back and it says on his robe and on his thigh was written this title King of Kings and Lord of Lords that when you know Jesus comes back he's going to be tatted up wearing white rocking out all right I mean think about this Jesus is coming back for the last fight. Now, guys, when somebody shows up for a fight wearing pure white, what do you know about that dude? 
He ain't planning on losing. He ain't even planning on getting dirty. And that's what happens with Jesus. Jesus comes back, and he comes back at the last fight, and he goes like this. And everybody dies. So that's Revelation. I think it's cool to understand that that word written, when you study it out in the Greek, it actually means the equivalent of tattoo. Sure. So Jesus has tats, man. That's that's stinking cool. Yeah. It is cool. It Any is takers cool. on Jesus after that one? Come on. Yes. All right. Moving on. All right. Moving on. All right. Next uh, round of three questions. How do you know when God, when and what God is telling you? That's a great question. How many of y'all want to talk about that one? If I question my salvation, am I truly saved? How about that one? All right. Cool. And uh, how can you recover? How can you recover the faith? All right, cool. All right, let's do the first one. And the first one was, how do you know when and what God is telling you? Who wants to talk about that one? Mike? <laughs> my caring section. How do you know when and what? Sometimes it's hard. Uh, it's easy when you open up the Bible. Uh, the Bible, God wrote all this stuff for us, so we'd have it um, to refer to. So, and, and the Bible tells us that the Word is alive. And uh, so when you read it, I mean, there's times when I read sections of the Bible and it feels like, uh, it must feel like when a woman has a baby and it kicks, like it feels like the spirit jumps inside me and, and it's emphasizing something that I'm reading. So that's one way of, of knowing that God's talking to you. Uh, if you're looking for some specific answers, I think sometimes it's, uh, uh, sometimes for me anyway, it's like I have a, a thought that's placed in my head that all of a sudden gets shoved to the front, and I, it feels kind of weird, but I know it's not something that I thought of. It just appeared there for me. Um, and uh, so that's why, how I know it came from God. Um, and then, uh, heck, it can sometimes just be that you're praying over a decision you got to make, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll just sense uh, being led in a certain direction. And a good way, if you're married, is, uh, is, is to talk to your spouse about that. You're both praying about the same thing. God's going to tell you both the same answer. So uh, he won't tell one one thing and one the other. Kind of like, uh, is it time to buy a motorcycle? (laughs) 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 Uh, Audibly hear God's voice there, right? And and, and that voice sounded like Marie. (laughs) (laughs) Great question. Anything you want to chime in on that? I just think it's important to know that God is out for his own glory. And I think it's important to see that, that this whole thing has been orchestrated to bring as much glory to God as possible. And so if your choice is between, I don't know, building a shelter for kids in Africa or going to buy a sailboat, come on. You know, I mean, if God's laid something on your heart that brings him glory, I think a lot of times we pray for God's will like it's this mystical thing, you know, and we have to hover above the ground to find it. And, but it's really whatever pleases him. And I, I think that obviously we bounce that off Scripture all the time. It has to go through Scripture and through our friends and through our accountability partners. But really just ask yourself, what brings God the most glory in this situation? And then do that. I doubt he's going to be like, well, he tried to bring me glory. I'm going to get him for that. Yeah. You know? I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think so. Yeah. Sometimes I think we might overanalyze it and uh, end up doing nothing because we're so afraid of doing something wrong. Uh, we just sometimes just got to step out and do it. Sure. Great question. That was a really good question. All right, next three. What is your opinion on speaking in the Spirit? All right, uh, that's how many of y'all want to talk about that one? Okay, cool. 
How can I evaluate whether or not a brother in Christ is producing fruit without truly judging? Anybody want to talk about that one? All right, cool. Um, why does it seem that God doesn't always answer my questions? How many want to talk about that one? It's the first one. Okay. Oh, All right. Uh, what is your opinion on speaking in the Spirit? Okay, number one, you don't really want my opinion. My opinion in, in a 75 cents is, will get you a Coke. Um, we want to talk about what God has to say about speaking in the Spirit. And um, I, I will tell you, here's the problem, is everybody has their opinions on this. Everybody has their opinions on this, and nobody goes back to what the Scripture says. In Acts chapter 2, the very first time speaking in the Spirit is talked about, some call it speaking in tongues. The Greek word is glossalia. Um, I, I want to tell you kind of what happened. The Holy Spirit descends. 120 people are in the upper room. They're praying. And God, the Holy Spirit, gives them a supernatural ability to t- start communicating with all of these other different people. In fact, it was a language. It was a known language. Some people will say, well, speaking in tongues or speaking in the Spirit is a prayer language. Nowhere in my Bible do I find that. It's not gibberish. It's, it's, it, it is speaking in a known dialect. Now, where do you get that, Chris? I'm glad you asked that question. All right. It says in Acts chapter 5. Uh, okay, I'm going to start at verse 4. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began, began, and began speaking in other languages is what the New Living Translation translates it. Uh, tongues, glossalia, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, this wasn't, again, gibberish. How do I know that? I'm going to keep on reading. Verse 5. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language. Everybody say those last three words. Their own languages being spoken by these believers. And then it lists all the different languages they were speaking. They were completely amazed. How can this be? These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here they are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem and Judaism, Cretans, Arabs. We hear all of these people speaking in our own languages around the world. Now here, why were they doing it? Because of the wonderful things God has done. You see... Do I believe in speaking in tongues? I believe the Bible teaches that it is a supernatural ability to be able to communicate God's truth in a known language. That means if if you're again you're gibberish or something, I don't I don't believe that's of the Lord. I, the other places in Scripture it says God is not a God of chaos; He is a God of order. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and in 12 and 14, it talks about, again, if somebody's going to speak in a, in a tongue, there needs to be somebody there to interpret it. But, I, I, you know, again, I think it, the Bible clearly teaches this is a known language. Anybody, you have anything to say about that? I think I've beat that dead horse. All right, cool. All right, um, next question. 
Is it okay to believe in evolution and God? Did God play a role in evolution? That's a great question. How many of y'all want to talk about that one? Okay. Who can I talk to before, after, or during the service about beginning a relationship with Jesus? Any one of us. Any or one him. of us. Or him. Or him. Or, who's on staff here? Or stand up. Greg's in the back. I, I want to make this really clear who you can talk to because that is the most important decision you can ever make. They're going to have a black tag around their neck that says their name. Yeah. And come see one away. of us. Come see one of us. Okay. Um, so evolution. Who, who want to talk about evolution and God? All right, cool. And then let's hit the third uh, third question, uh, which is, why do Jewish people do not believe in Jesus? How many of you want to talk about that one? Mm. <coughs> wow. All right. Uh, let's. They were both good. Let's hit both of them. Who wants to do the? <coughs> who wants to do the evolution in God? Well, hmm. I don't want to. <coughs> I don't mind talking, but you, go ahead, man. If you got it, do it. Uh, well, I, I guess I'll just – I taught I taught evolution a little, for a year in high school, which was my time in purgatory after I got out of the military. Um, I couldn't hack it, so I'm not, I'm not teaching science anymore, but I taught a little bit of that stuff. And what I found in some of the research I was doing was that, uh, number one, the guy who did the whole evolution thing – uh, recanted that whole that thing on his uh, <coughs> deathbed, but um, it's kind of like become a, its own religion in a way, where we believe that it takes so many millions and billions of years for things to happen in nature. Um, but when we're starting to study things, especially with new technology, we're finding that it doesn't take as much time as we thought for things to happen. Take Mount St. Helen, for example, when it blew up uh, up in the northwest. Uh, the things that are growing now, the plants that are growing and the things that are happening out there in that area that theories told us took millions and billions of years are already happening since that, uh, since that volcano blew up. So it's kind of blowing out of the water a lot of the theories that we have. And we just got to remember that evolution is a theory. It's, it's a hypothesis. Somebody said, I think this is the way it's happening, and we have yet to prove you know, that that is true. So uh, uh, you ca I think you kind of end up having to buy one or the other because the timeline in the Bible is more like, what, about 6,000 years old is the, is the earth somewhere around in there. But the scientists say it's millions and billions. So I don't think they both can go together. I think parts of what's in evolution have probably happened in nature uh, by God's hand. But, uh, uh, you know, different things about finding footprints of, uh, men and and dinosaurs and all that at the same layers in the in the strata when they when they investigate that stuff. So it's it's uh it's partly about we 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 don't have pictures of that time. We're like into videos and all that stuff. We can't go back and and, and uh, necessarily prove one way or the other. But it boils down to do you believe that this is true or not? I believe what Genesis one one it says God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that is totally true. I, I know some, and I, I'm not this way. I believe that God did it in six days because that's what the Bible said. There are some people, though, um, that believe that those days were, you know, were different days than our days. It could have been a thousand years, you know, and, and God took six thousand years to create it. Again, He could have. He, he's God. He can do whatever He wants to. He could have done it in one day. He's powerful. 
But there are some people I know who kind of take the, 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 the old earth adage and they see those days more in, as years or periods. Again, I think you can do that. I, I truly believe personally that if God says day, it was a day. Um, so, um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 there's some godly people I know who believe otherwise. So, who believe it, it took a little bit longer. So, um, you know, let me say this. This is what I'm going to say. Uh, when Adam and Eve, when they were created, um, were they adults or children? Adults. Okay, cool. So let's just say maybe they were around, they looked like they were 20 years old. Can we say that? Okay, so the, they had an attribute, uh, attributes that were 20 years old, 20, 21 years old. Um, but how old were they really the first day after they were created? One day old, right? So they looked older than they were what they were, correct? They look 20, but they're really only a day old. If God can do that with people, you think he can do that with earth? I agree. So he can create an earth that's really only one day old, but it looks like it's billion. All right? You know, that that may have been the exact same thing that God did. I don't know. I think this is one of those things where we can get hung up on something and not... And it prevents us from going further in our relationship with God because we're arguing over something that really doesn't make, doesn't matter. You know, whether or not the earth is a million, billion years old or 6,000, in the, in the end of the day, Jesus came to earth and died for all of our sins so we could have a relationship with God, one that where we spend time with him and he spends time with us every day, and we grow out of that relationship. So... If I get stuck on, on some of these issues, you know, that we do, whether it's tattoos or dinosaurs or something else, um, they're good questions and, and it may be worthy of some discussions, but let's not get bogged down in the discussion so we take the focus off the glory of God. Yeah, that's right. Next question is, uh, how come Jews don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Um, great, great question. That's probably one of the, one of the only things that separates Christians from Jews. Uh, a Jewish person, uh, they have uh, the Old Testament. They don't call it the Old Testament. They call it the Hebrew Scriptures. Um, but uh, they are still looking for their Messiah. And here's the reason why. is um, Jesus is going to come twice. He came the first time, and he came as a little baby. Um, he was poor. He lived in a poor family. Um, he came uh, in very understated and the Jews were like, that's not the person we were looking for. We were looking for a king riding on a horse that's going to come and conquer our enemies. And when Jesus came the first time, um, he didn't do that. Jesus is going to come again. And guess what? He's going to do that. And uh, the whole point, um, no, I'll get out, touch this in a quick, the whole point of the end of the Bible, of tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, the whole point of that whole thing is for the Jews to realize that Jesus, yes, Jesus really is our Messiah. Um, because uh, the way I read my Bible and interpret, we're not going to be here. Um, so um, uh, we're gonna, uh, the Jews are going to realize, hey, Jesus really is the Messiah, and we're going to follow him. So um, that's the, probably one of the biggest differences between us and the Jews. Um, so they don't believe the the last 27 books of the New Testament is, is God's word because they're still looking for the Messiah. So, great, great question. Anything y'all want to add on that? Can we do some more? Oh, yeah. All right. I love this. This is so much fun. 
All right, uh, next round of questions. How does prayer and fasting relate? And how It's fasting. <laughs> See, I've got stuff going through my head right now that I really want to say, but I can't. <laughs> all right. We'll just leave it at It would stink. Let's start them off. I'm going to read them, and you clap if you want us to do them, okay? First one is, how does prayer and fasting relate, and how should it be done? Who wants to talk about that? All right. Ready for no Thanks fasting. for texting that okay. in. How do you know that there is a God if you can't see him? Who wants to talk about that one? Okay. And the last one is, what if things have happened in my life and has, and has, and has it pulled me apart? Oh, God, help me. What was that? I don't know. You got me mixed up. Um, Can we have a do-over? Um, it, it'll come in just a sec. All right. I'll, I'll read that last one. Oh. <laughs> How about those cubs? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> what if things have happened in my life and has, and it is pulling me apart from God? All right. Who wants to talk about that one? Okay. Mike? (laughs) (laughs) So wise. Um, All right. What what if things have happened in my life and and it's pulling me apart from God? Um, Hey, I'll take this one. Cool. I got it. Um, it, It's kind of like we've been talking in worship the past couple weeks about all things working together for our good. Um, I think... Our version of good here on earth is so much different than God's view of goodness. Because, see, God sees the entire scope of our life. He sees beginning. He sees end. At the beginning of our life, he saw the end of our life. He sees tomorrow. He sees next week. He sees the end because he's already there. And so when we understand about all things working together for good for those who love God, is that even the hard times, even the things that you think are pulling you away, that's God. Because God, <clears throat> nothing can happen without God allowing it. Um, essentially, and that, that's a big word. It's called sovereignty. Um, but we just trust that God rules and he controls everything. And so when we believe that from a biblical perspective, then we have to even embrace those things that we say pull us away, but they're truly him. And, you know, those things could be for any purpose. I had a guy ask me um, after the first service, basically this exact question is that, you know, I have this and this happening in my life, and I just don't see that it's God. Um, and I think for us to say that we trust God, we have to in, in embrace the bad times as well. Mm. That's good. Thank you, Josh. Okay. Let's, do, uh, let's do three more. <coughs> yeah. Sorry. Anyone watch a good movie lately? No? I'm being serious. Star Trek, great. How movie. many of y'all watch Star yeah. Trek, the new Star Trek? Yes. Awesome. All right, cool. You've probably seen this headset. Star Trek. This is awesome. <laughs> what do you think happens when we die? All right. How many of you want to talk about that one? <clears throat> All right. What? Uh, okay. We've already talked about that one. And uh, we'll do, we'll give one more chance. And what do you think happens when we die? And. Is there a wrong way to tithe 10% of the gross or 10% of the take-home? Hmm. All right. How many of you all want to talk about that one? Cool. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's, talk, about the, let's talk about the tithing. You know, one of the things I've realized, this was kind of very surprising, is a lot of the questions we've gotten up to this point 
has been tithing questions. Uh, it's kind of amazing. Um, is there a wrong way to do it? I don't think so. I really don't. You know, I, I, I thank you so much for the question, and it's a valid question. God says very clearly that he loves a cheerful giver. And if you're cheerfully given 10% of your gross or 10% of your net, you know, I, I know this. God doesn't need your money. All right? Just like one church, we don't need your money. Um, it's, a, it's an act of obedience. It's an act of saying, okay, am I going to really... Uh, wherever your treasure is, God says, there your heart will be also. So the question is, how much do you love God? And you go, oh, that's guilt. No, it's not. It's really not. I'm not trying to be guilt. If you think, you know what, I, it, I'm just going to be this amount, that's fine. That's fine with that. But... And, and, and another one, and God put this, isn't, isn't tithing just a, an Old Testament principle? Well, I think a lot of the things that we see in the New Testament is based upon Old Testament principles because it, it, it builds on one another. Um, but, you know, I think God says he loves a cheerful giver. So the question is, again, how much do you love God? If, if, you, if, you, if you wrestle with that one, then the rest of the other stuff, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take care of itself. What was that other question that was, that was just the one right before that one? Oh, what happens uh, what, when God casts out the devil? What happens to the people in hell? It's a great one. We'll end on this one. Well, when God casts out the devil, what happens to the people in hell? You mean I want to take this one? <laughs> I don't have any verse references. I know the answer, but... No, go ahead and hit it then. They... Stay there. There you go. And, and I would say this. It, it says in the end of Revelation that he's going to, to throw the devil and his fallen angels into hell where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, um, you know, the thing is, and this is, a great, this is a great question to end on because there's really only two choices. You can either choose God... And if you choose a relationship with God, then you get all of the benefits of being where God is. That is eternity in heaven. It's life. Um, there, but there is, if you don't like that option, there's not three other options or 17 other options. You're either going to be with God. If you say, though, you know what, I don't want anything to do with God. I'd prefer God if you'd leave me alone. And I would just, I want to do my own thing. Okay? If that is your option, then there's only one other option, and that is to be where devil, the devil, those fallen angels, and, and that option is in hell. Do you have a verse? Um, yeah, I do. It's uh, Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. Um, for the sake of time, I won't read it all, but essentially it talks about um, the two judgments, the judgments for those who know Jesus, the judgments for those who don't know Jesus. Um, hell is actually emptied at one point, and people walk before Jesus. They're judged for their deeds, but then they're put back. So, yeah. So if you don't choose, if you if you choose, you know what? I am not going to have a relationship with God. Then the the only other option you have is hell. And I, I believe God clearly teaches that He doesn't. It, it's it's God's desire that no one should perish without Him, but He allows us to make that choice. He allows us to make that choice. I mean, think about this. If you 
if you had to force your spouse to love you, would it really be love? No, it wouldn't. What are y'all laughing at? There's there's one more question we have to answer. You oh. go ahead. This is important. You go. All right. Uh, if if uh, if our spouse, if we had to force our spouse to love us, it really wouldn't be love. And that's how God is. God's not going to force anyone to love Him. Um. So if you can choose to be with Him, great. You choose not to be with Him, it's not so good for you. All right. What's another question? Um. The other question is yes. We are going to answer the questions with less claps. Um. We, we will answer them, but it, it may not be in this format. Obviously, we only have, what, one or two weeks left of this? Two, two, weeks. two at the most. Okay. Um, so we, we can't get to all of them. We've talked about starting a staff blog where we possibly each of us take one of these questions um, and just type an answer to it. Um, I know you may not get it in this format, but mm-hmm. hopefully that will be suitable for you guys. If you have any ideas of how we can answer those questions, our emails are all on the back of our bulletin. Um, just shoot uh, Chris or I an email. We're in the office usually working on the website during the week. So just let us know how we can do that for you. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for being here, for doing this. This is fun. Are you all enjoying yourself? <clears throat> I'm glad. Um, we have two more weeks of this. Now, here's the cool thing. You can uh, text your questions all during the week about this. Um, and... Uh, and we will get to you guys, uh, we promise, uh, if not in this format, in another one. Um, and uh, I thank you. So this next two weeks are going to be a great times for you to be able to invite your friends. Uh, maybe they have some questions. they got some concerns. And God willing, um, if enough people clap, uh, we will address those concerns. So let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Father, you are amazing and you are lovely. And Lord, you never, ever shy away from those tough questions. Um, Your word in so many areas is just crystal clear. In so many areas, you know, other areas about science or evolution, we just, you know, sometimes I just don't have the right answer. And I don't even have an answer, God. But I know that you have all of the answers. And I'm still learning that I don't have it all. I don't have it all figured out up here, God. But I'm still working through my relationship with you. And Lord, I pray for those out there right now who um, maybe they've been out of church for a long, long time. And they, uh, just, they've gotten hurt. They've been burned in a church. And they just struggle about coming back. And they're here today for the first time. And Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that they're here. They are important to you, Jesus Christ. Your word says clearly in Luke 19.10 that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And Lord, all of us have been lost. All of us have been lost at one time or another. And Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, that we can always come back home. We love you so much, Jesus Christ. And it's in your name that we pray.